Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 301. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host, Mike. What's going on today, Mike? Hey, hey, hey. Um, Nothing much. You know, we got another interview for everybody, episode 301. Phoebe Xavier is on the show. Going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Person of many life experiences and awesome projects, like stuff that I, like, that Bluetooth thing was just like wild to me. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love the diversity of stories that mm-hmm. she's telling. It's yeah. not like she just has one thing she's going for. And some of the ideas like you don't, you don't see coming, but you guys will enjoy that interview. I promise. Yeah. Uh, other than that, just, you know, hanging out. Um, I purchased a manga the other day. I haven't bought manga, man, since oof, I think middle school. Uh, but I was in target just walking around and I saw they had volume one chainsaw chainsaw man. Yeah, I read that. I picked it up and I was like, yeah, Chris told me good things. I'm going to check it out. I haven't read it yet, but I do have it. Um, so now I need to get a whole new bookshelf for all my manga now is what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah, it's going to happen to me soon because I've been getting more and more into manga. Um, I'm actually kicking myself because back in the day I had like the full run of the original Naruto series. Um, and I got rid of them like when I went to college or my mom got rid of them or something. And I was like. I wasn't like an avid comic collector, but I, mm-hmm. I still had like, you know, I still have that heroes for hire issue. I talk about all the time uh, in the nineties. And I remember I was in an airport. And it was a magazine spinner rack at an airport and I picked it up and I forget the number of which heroes for hire cover it was. Uh, that was my first introduction to iron fist, but somehow I kept that throughout like the years of going to, co- I was like seven years old and it survived high school and college and is in my comic collection today, but somehow I lost the Naruto books. <laughs> I don't know where I went wrong. Um, Your mom's just like the comics. That's serious shit. But this Naruto yeah. stuff, that's yeah, this children. manga crap. She's like, it's all backwards. It's they printed it wrong. They throw it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting more and more into it. Like you are. It's like getting me excited about it. So yeah, there's uh, some fun stuff over there and it's weird and wacky yeah. and interesting and I'm enjoying it. Um, before we talk about news, have you watched uh, any of the last of us yet? Yeah. So the first, well, as you all are listening to this, the second episode's out as we're recording it, okay. only the first episode's out. Yeah, I did watch it. Yes. I'm probably going to watch it tonight, but what were your thoughts? Good. So I'll go into this first. I was not a big fan of the game. Like I, uh-huh. I think this the story is really good. It's just the gameplay just kept bogging me down personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I did, I've been wanting to go back and see. Like, it's been a while since I've tried it. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> and I want to see if my thoughts have changed on it. But that that aside, just so everybody knows where I'm coming from in terms of the game, I thought the first episode was really good. I mean, it's the first like hour of the game, and yep. it it goes in deeper on stuff. There's obviously some differences, but I don't mm-hmm. think any of them are so different that anyone's going to be like really mad about it. And obviously everybody's really hyped on that, that show. So yeah. And Neil Druckmann's a, like a part of the writing staff. So, Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. helps. Um, so it, this it's is probably really well like, hopefully this sets the standard for like more video game properties being done. Right. I think you're um, seeing it more and more. Cause like, yeah. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog is what it is, but like right. that's very, very much what Sonic the Hedgehog is. Yep. 
Uh, and then the Uncharted movie was really, I mean, it was an Uncharted movie. It, it worked. It's not a great movie by any stretch, but I think it set up a lot of good things that were from the game as well. So I think we'll see. This is PlayStation production's second foray that we're seeing. And it mm-hmm. seems so far they're doing really well with their adaptation. So that's good. Yeah. Um, I also watched this week yeah. that 90s show. Oh God. I saw some, I saw some reviews for that. What did you think? So I was morbidly curious, so I had to do it. Yeah. I'll say this. It's really nice to go like see where our old friends are. Like, yeah. From that 70s show. Yeah. It's when they show up, it's really great. The new cast is okay. I think my biggest problem for me is I don't care what high schoolers are doing anymore. So like right. the high school stuff, unless it's nostalgic, doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, But all the stuff with Kitty and Red's great. When like when the other cast members show up, it's great. There's a good twist at the end with a surprise cameo. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say rightfully so, but it's very noticeable that you don't, you see everybody and Hyde never shows up and he's yeah. never even mentioned. There's a good reason for that. If anyone wants to Google what's going on with him, but I'd say it's okay. I, I think they could keep this going for a little bit. Uh, does Ashton Kutcher come back? Yeah. And Everybody's Mila back? Everybody comes back. Yeah. Bob wow. comes back. Uh, Fez is like a regular because he still lives in Point Place. Everybody wow. else is like moved away. Well, actually, no. Kelso and Jackie still live in Point Place. We only see him once. Okay. But like Fez is a, a love interest to one of the kids' parents. So like he oh, shows okay. up regularly. Um, Donna actually shows up in like three or four episodes too. Okay. Uh, so, and there's a lot of good, like, so of course, Donna and uh, um, Eric's daughter is named Leia. Oh, yeah. So, like, the lead character's name is Leia, which is a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Um, Eric is like a, a professor at a university now, and one of his classes is the, the religion of Star Wars. So, like, <laughs> they implement cool. a lot of that stuff that was fun about the original show. Yeah. I think it's worth watching, but I wouldn't expect to be like blown away by it. It's like mm-hmm. a fun romp, and I think they do it correctly in doing 10 episodes because it gets you in and out, and you don't get sick of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know everybody was back. Um, okay, so we have a little bit of, a little bit of news. Uh, this was like a, a teaser that was released. Uh, Prime Amazon Prime Video has released its first tease about the upcoming Invincible Season 2. Uh, the short clip came that showed Mark and Alan at a diner talking. It also came with the release of a late 2023, uh, which is sad. We have to wait till like the end of the year. Um, the conversation was a lot of fun. And the fact that like it was breaking the fourth wall was like, why does this take so long? And it shows like, you know, all the voice acting and animation. And I guess they're, what they're trying to say is like the quality of animation takes longer. So that's probably why we've been seeing all this weird, shitty animation lately. Um, but I think, uh, I think overall, um, I, I, if it's going to be good, it's worth the wait. I, I really love the first season. I can't wait for the second one. So same here. I, I really want them to do it right. Cause if invincible is done right and we get to do the full series, 
yeah it could go down as like a classic so it's worth waiting a little bit extra if it takes a year and a half in between seasons i'm all for it Mm -hmm. um yeah that first season was so good so i'm i'm really really excited for this to come back i'm glad that we got at least we got a window you know yeah yep i would prefer Um, the window was tomorrow but (laughs) yeah true uh, this is interesting. Reports indicate that Prime Video will increase its slate of comic book ad- adaptations. It's said they're developing live action adaptations of Bitch Planet and Sex Criminals. Those are two separate properties, anybody that doesn't know these books. Uh, both very popular series at Image Comics uh, with pretty long runs. Um, yeah, so... That's awesome. I never read Bitch Planet. I did read some of Sex Criminals. I know you were a big Sex Criminals fan. Um, so that's pretty cool. Chip Zdarsky art, Sex yeah. Criminals. Yep. Uh, yeah, I never read Bitch Planet either. It, just from the title, I was kind of... I read the synopsis too. I'm not judging th- by the title. But yeah, when I saw the title, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And I read the synopsis. I'm like, eh, it doesn't seem like it's meant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Sex Criminals is a wonderful book, though. Yeah. Everybody should go read it, and I hope they do a good adaptation. To be fair, Amazon Prime's been doing really good with their adaptations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people love Lord of the Rings, yourself included, or enjoyed yep. the show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're loving The Boys and Invincible, so I'm really happy it landed there because I think it's going to be good for sex criminals to get that. <laughs> and all the, all the, you know whenever Netflix has a first season, it gets canceled anyways. So at least there's some hope when it goes to Amazon. <laughs> I can't like, man, I can't get into any seasons of shit on Netflix that come out. Cause like they're canceling everything. Like it's insane. Yeah. <sighs> people really like that 1899. I didn't watch it, but yeah. And then it's like, yeah, it's canceled. Yeah. Like, and I, I where I'm watching Yellowstone right now. I know people are probably sick of hearing about Yellowstone. We're just watching through. It's like, I'll describe Yellowstone as like this era's like it, it's it's so dramatic that it's it's absurd at times. And I think I've talked about it on the show before. Maybe I haven't. But it's almost like the 60s Batman of like nowadays to me, because it's like like someone will just get unloaded a full like assault rifle clip into their chest. And the next episode, they're like walk getting out of bed riding a horse and i'm like what the fuck is going on um you know like someone is in an office and the office blows up and they're like shell shocked and like completely third degree burns and they light up a cigarette on the sidewalk and i'm like this is not how the human body works at all um so it's almost like everybody's internalized the 60s batman uh utility belt and it's just making them bulletproof You have done a more successful job of making me want to watch that show than the, the hundreds of people who told me I need to watch Yellowstone. Yeah, I, and I knew I had to make that pitch for you because it's like if you go into it thinking like, oh, this is how fucking cowboys live every day. It's not. It's absurd and dramatic, and it's almost hilarious at times how dramatic it is. But, you know, it's supposed to be serious. Like the characters are cool and stuff, but like the absurdity to it is like, wow, the the writers are – there's no way the writers are writing the show being like, oh, yeah, that could really happen. They're like, no, this is fucking ridiculous, but it's going to be awesome. You know, that's like and it just gets progressively crazier as it goes on. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'm seeing with other to go back to what we were originally talking about. Yeah, sorry. I'm seeing I feel like Netflix is going to lose pedigree eventually because even like Paramount Plus is like, yeah. well, let's stick. Listen, I watched like two episodes of Halo and I couldn't get into it. But right. even they were like, people like this show, my dad, 
So we're going to, since we got decent ratings, let's keep making it there. Yeah. Because they're traditional TV people, they're doing the traditional TV model of like, we did good with season one. We can grow that. Yeah. Where Netflix, I've heard, I've heard the thing where if you don't binge it, you don't count towards their ratings, which, which is, is stupid. stupid Netflix. And they don't want to grow shows. They want instant hits. Yeah. And it's just not working for them. And eventually yeah. it's going to bite them in the ass. Cause yeah, how many, like you said, I don't even really get into Netflix shows that often, unless it's something like that 90s show. Like we uh, talked Sweet about. Tooth. Sweet Tooth was a great one. I don't know if the season two is ever coming out. I think it, it might've got canceled. Yeah. I've and that was oh my god. Sweet Tooth was so good. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, come on. I should look that up, see if that got canceled. But yeah, that's a good example. Like, why would I get into another show like that if I know that it's gonna get canceled? If yep. not after season one, after like season two or three. Like it's never gonna get its ending. Yeah. Like never. I think that Stranger Things is like grandfathered end. Right. So yeah. That'll yeah. get its thing, but everything well, else be- is free game. <laughs> You want a three-hour episode? Fuck it, Stranger Things. You get it whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you want a second season of Sweet Tooth? Fuck you. <laughs> like, I think maybe Netflix, maybe... I don't know what your metrics look like, so I could be wrong on some of this, but, like, yeah. maybe spend less time, like, throwing dice at, like, random Korean TV. <laughs> like, I get well, Squid Games worked. Yeah. I get it, but, like, how many others didn't? I, I will say the... I, I'm going to have to knock you down there because I know some people uh, relative to me that watch the K-dramas. That is an obsession. Oh, like okay. that is, yeah. Maybe that's a wrong example. I'm just saying. <laughs> I had no stop idea. Throwing, <laughs> yeah. Stop throwing shit at the wall at random shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And start trying to be more deliberate. Because like, there's so much trash. And then like something All like Sandman, we had to sit through how, how long of like, will they, won't they? Yeah. There's all these memes online of like they had like eight different animated properties and they they axed them all and they kept Big Mouth, which is like the worst one. I, you know what? (laughs) I was like, what are you doing? If you because Big Mouth was pitched to me multiple times. We're going to get into a lot of this right now. Big Mouth was pitched to me multiple times. And if you put Big Mouth on paper, like what it is, it's a Chris ass show. Right. And I watched it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this is not a Chris Ash show. No, like, you have all the elements of, like, potty humor and all that stuff that I yeah. like. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a simple-minded man. I'm easy to drag in. Yep. But it's just something about it is creepy. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. It yeah. feels wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and, anyways. <laughs> anyways. Let's, uh... With that lovely sentiment, let's uh, let's do this ad from our, our lovely sponsors today. Yeah, so eating healthy used to be a struggle for me. That is true. But that was before I discovered the BlendJet portable blender, kind of. Uh, now, now <laughs> when the fast food temptation strikes, I just blend up a delicious and nutrition nutritious protein shake or smoothie. I do do that. So everybody, uh, the BlendJet 2 is sponsoring this episode. The BlendJet 2 is a portable, is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach, which is what Mike does all the time. All the time. It's a small, it's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen food with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can wake up 
I'm sorry. So you can make your morning smoothies without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It All this stuff is true. I've made a couple smoothies with it. I've been doing my protein shakes with it. It works phenomenally. And yeah, the I was upset when I saw I couldn't take it apart and put it in the dishwasher because, as I said earlier, I'm a simple man and I like to put things in a dishwasher. <laughs> Why don't go in dishwasher? <laughs> but when I read that you could just like put a drop of soap in it and blend it and it cleans, yep. I was like, cool. That's yep. not I quite as easy as a dishwasher blend yet, but it's pretty close. Yeah, it's uh, pretty easy to use and I like it too. <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code FCN12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Free. No other portable blender in the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code FCN12 and get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping shop today and get the best deal ever 12 percent off and two sh- two-day shipping that's like that's awesome come on people what are you waiting for you're probably waiting for the interview so let's jump to that with phoebe xavier and we'll see you on the other side god damn like you're a pro All right, everybody, we've got another amazing guest for you all this week. I want everyone to welcome to the show Phoebe Xavier. Welcome, Phoebe. Hey, Phoebe. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, We got a little bit of stuff to talk about, Um, the cool stuff you're doing with 123Go Publishing and, you know, the stuff that you're writing yourself and and putting on there. Um, But before we, we do that, we always put our first time guests through the gauntlet of their origin story in comics. And I know you've done some other writing for other stuff, but uh, where, where did it really start for comics for you? What got you into that? So I kind of um, started reading at a very early age. And um, after I graduated out of my Dr. Seuss books, um, my mom was like, well, maybe you'll enjoy these. And she <laughs> gave me a case of her old comic books, which were like Silver Age, late 50s, early 60s books. So um, I started reading some really old classic stuff when I was really little. And then like in the 80s, um, got into stuff like Transformers and mm-hmm. graduated from X-Men. And um, I would say, and I collected some Spider-Man, some Avengers, but mostly was an X-Men fan. And then like extended X-Books. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's a good spot. to. I mean, the Silver Age stuff is a good spot to be in. That's like, you know, some of the classic stories to really get into. Yeah, um, it was also, uh, she collected when, like, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Lana Lang all had their own books and stuff. So she oh, got, yeah. like, feature page, double issue, Lois Lane, and, like, of course, <laughs> Superman's also in it, but she's, like, on the title, like, got the cover. Yeah, that that was always funny to me, because it was, like, you're, you're almost like, okay, I know Superman, and it's, like, I can't believe all these people are getting their own books. I mean, it's, it's a little more common now, and and what people are doing with indie publishing, Um and I think that is interesting now that we, you know, we got those back in the day. And at the time, I don't know how popular they were, but that's that's funny that you like got up, you know, your first introduction was reading that stuff. So yeah, when my mom was a five-year-old girl, she was into it. So yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, and it's 
it's funny to me. It's unfortunate because I heard, especially that Lois Lane book's actually like good um, from the women in my life that re- have read it. Uh, obviously, I'm not the target audience for something like that. But it's unfortunate that book is known for that one issue that's like a little, not a little, a lot like problematic where she just turns black to be a black woman for a day. Oh, yeah. I don't know if, you, if your mom had that issue or not, but <laughs> that's what I always think of when I think of that book. Yep. You know, she went undercover as a black woman. Yeah. 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 Undercover. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little more problematic today. Um, so what, where did the, when did the uh, one, two, three go thing happen? So how did that come about? So I, I actually got a notification on Facebook that showed me like design art from eight years ago. Wow. So as, far, as long ago as eight years ago, I, I was working with some people on initially I was going to do a graphic novel, which would have been like, you know, 80, eight pages of um, different stories. And then I think I decided to do it issue by issue as certain things got done quicker than others. And um, so we're on issue. We have six of them completed now and I'm working on number seven. That book is called Sidereal Apogee. And that is our cyberpunk anthology. And that's basically what started it all. And um, at first it was just some of my friends that I knew through Facebook that I was like, hey, do you want to try drawing these characters with me and this and that. And um, some of them flaked off. Some of them stuck with me for a couple of years. But like I learned that to, to stay in the indie game and um, to continue putting out comic books, you have to pay these people. So yeah. um, I started uh, finding artists that would work at a rate that I could handle in, you know, my meager, uh, just eat and buy kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Um, and because of that, I do work with a lot of people overseas who um, like don't charge as much, but that money goes so much further there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. Yeah, uh, Southeast Asia in South America, I found a lot of talented people that um, their their art is amazing and their rates I can stomach. Mm. That's yeah, that's interesting. And you like you you realize you you kept the people around that wanted to be involved in the projects, right? That weren't flaking yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, I actually, strangely enough, a young lady um, that I was working with initially in 2016 turned into a hardcore jumper and had to stop working with her. Oh. But, okay. Yeah. Other yeah. than that. <laughs> Uganda uh, stayed with us for at least six years. He's working, um, doing covers wow. and other stuff for us. Wow. And and that's kind of where you all started was was the anthology. And, and what type of anthology was it? Um, Cyberpunk. Um, oh, okay. I, um, so I guess eight or nine years ago, I started to, to write a novel, a cyberpunk novel. that I wrote um, 135 pages of it. And then um, I started to then write some short stories about some of the characters. And Mm. then I was like, all right, let me write some comic book stories about them. And I've never returned to finish that novel. But what I did was I did so much world building that in my head, I understood like what the solar system was like in the Mm. year 2050 or whatever, where the book's taking place. So, um, uh, yes, now I have that universe that, that we, it all happens in that universe. Everything in that title happens in that universe. And it's like 400 uh 50 years in the future or 30 years in the future and um that there is a organization called soul core which is the top corporations in the uh, solar system also control uh the government and the military and the cops and the courts and everything so mm-hmm. it's dystopian in that sense um but it's also a lot of fun high-tech stuff going on um the earth itself is an irradiated ma- uh, mess with a airborne disease 
um, which is an airborne form of Ebola that like mm -hmm. sort of kills people slowly, slower than Ebola does, but the same sort of like just eventually you bleed out, uh, weird start bleeding everywhere. And um, so it's a slow, painful, awful death. And that's why most people live off earth uh, mm -hmm. in that future. Um, but it's similar to like the, uh, the, the, the Expanse books or whatever the, the, the okay. name of that sequence is called. That yep. it's mostly located just in the solar system. Okay. Most of the action takes place just from here to the, to the extent of the Oort cloud. I know they like later start traveling, teleporting through um, alien worlds or whatever. But like, yeah, the initial um, uh, few books of, of the Expanse is is a similar kind of world to what I tried to look at. Wow, very interesting. So, it, and it's kind of, you know, it relatively speaking, it's it's local starts off, but um, I think it's interesting getting away from Earth, you know, and trying to expand out, right? And because yeah, Earth sucks now, so we can't be here. <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, with the amount of um, nuclear power plants on this planet, like no matter how much we take care of them, we're gonna have another Fukushima. It's like yeah, another time, right? Uh, right. And I, we we probably still haven't seen the last of the repercussions from that one. Mm -hmm. But uh, hopefully, the Earth does not get as destroyed as it does in my fiction. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to suffer a slow Ebola. That sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's great. So. Uh, is the next project coming out an installment of that? Okay, so um, what we're what I'm here to promote tonight, and what I'm uh, on a promotional kind of podcast tour over the last month or two uh, to to push is my book Superliminal Latency, um, and it's 17 short stories, and they're um, it's a variety of genres, mostly cyberpunk and horror, mm -hmm. and I've also developed um, a genre that I've been working on called horror porn which okay. is graphic sex, graphic violence, and graphic drug use, different substance abuse um, sort of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I think maybe six or seven of them fit that genre. Um, and I also kind of built a little code into the titles so that if you want to skip the more graphic um, adult material, you can. Because um, I have some friends that I've sent some of my stories to, and they've been like, hey, Phoebe, I love like the sci-fi action stuff. But don't send me the scary, rapey stuff. Like, yeah. Okay. yeah I <laughs> can I filter it out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, what it's was, what was that yeah. book that was um it was like zombies, but oh crossed. Um, crossed, yeah. Yeah. That's that it's, was the, like... uh, the Garth Ennis book where it was like, yeah, it starts off with like people getting murdered and raped, and it was like, Hey, this is what happens. Like but it, it was like it, one of the top selling avatar books, Avatar Press, right? I think it was yeah, because it, it was a book that I like surprisingly I really liked, and I would send it to people and they would just be like, What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think people ask me, I'm not even into horror that much. So people have asked me, like, why write horror like that then? And mm -hmm. it's like, if I have a good idea and I don't think anybody's ever done it before, then I want to write it. You know what I mean? Right. I want to yeah. put an original idea out there. It's not necessarily that I want want to go all cringe and like graphic gross. But like if that was the idea and that's part of the story. Then, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to it out. Does that so that's like pushing it out of your comfort zone then because you, you're not really into horror then, but. You have yeah, these I'll, ideas. The final story in the book is uh, a story called Chase underscore rape underscore kill dot FDD. Uh -huh. And it's telling from a first person perspective of a woman being chased and attacked in New York City like 100 years in the future. Um, and yeah, so uh, that okay. one was actually really difficult to write because I'm writing about like sexual assault, like from a mm -hmm. first person perspective. Right. And 
my editor, Joseph Servalen, actually had me go back and retool a couple parts of that, like make it more um, more readable for the reader. Because I think at some point I was just like trying to get through it. Like, yeah. Right, I'm Right, right. Because it's and, like, okay, this is even graphic for me, but you know, it's a story you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And there's half a twist at the end that I had to go through all of that to get to the cool twist. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's also a very sensitive subject matter. Did you have to do like a ton of research to make sure you were getting things correct well, in any I, sense? Or? I've been sexually assaulted before. Um, I wouldn't say that I, like, you know, suffered anything as bad as the woman in the story does, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, no, I, I, I used to let, um, live on the streets and um, like sort of be a hobo traveler, living out of a backpack. And um, I would, uh, in various towns, I had different places to hit up, but I would fly a cardboard sign that said, I will rap for cash or food. And um, I'm also, I've made a lot of rap uh, music in my time. So wow. I was, I'm not like, I was never one of those people that was just like, hey, I'm a junkie, give me free shit. But it was just like, right. I make money traveling, using my skills to, comfortably drink and eat and you know do whatever right. i was doing at the moment but um so you know where i was going with that um i think uh, i had asked about researching for the story and you had mentioned that you had experienced I, something I, similar I, yeah actually um kind of experienced street fighter at this point um but wow. i'm also so don't take that yeah. as an invitation to start fights with you guys um but yeah <laughs> so uh I yeah I, I I would say I've lived some of the research over mm -hmm. the years. Yeah, so you you've kind of take personal experience and and weave that into stories as well. Sometimes, uh, yeah, for sure. And it's good. It, you said you had the editor looking it over. I, I mean, it's probably good to have that perspective of like, okay, as a as a reader and like you you have a story you want to tell, but as the reader too, it's like okay, this might you know, there's some parts where you could tell the story a little bit stronger than others. Like you said, you're trying to rush through it at some points where you don't realize you're doing something like that. So that probably helps, right? Yes, the book would not be half as good as it is in its final form without my uh, editor, Joseph. He definitely, like, helped me shave off the fat and make it a well-honed mm -hmm. series of stories. Okay. And uh, is that's out digitally now? or? Yes, it's on Kindle. Um, you well, the thing with Kindle that I didn't realize was going to happen is it kind of reformats a lot of stuff that we, like, spent months painstakingly making the PDF perfect. That the PDF oh, wow. that is for the print version mm -hmm. is perfect. And um, so seeing what Kindle did to it, it takes away the page numbers, it changed my font, um, oh, sort no. of makes spacing weird in some places. So I'm still letting people know that it's there, but I'm also, in the meantime, paying a woman who does um, book editing um, copy. Uh, what is it? Copywriting, copyworking. Yeah. Um, that she is going to reformat it. We're going to reload it in another week or two. Um, so there will be a better version on Kindle soon. But okay. for right now, if you and, and the other thing um that I've had explained to me is that people say that Kindle kind of comes across the way they program it. They personalize it. So mm -hmm. um, it might actually be great for anybody's cur curtailed Kindle. Um, but yeah, it's up there. It's eight eighty eight dollars and eighty eight cents. Um, the print version is 288 pages. I think wow. it's 103,000 words. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of book for just $8, under $9. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, I um, my goal right now is to sell 500 copies. I will feel accomplished as an indie publisher um, and doing all my own promotion and whatnot if mm -hmm. I can sell 500 copies. 
and awesome. and people out there listening i've talked to publishers and if they hit a thousand copies they're like ecstatic so 500 is not is a, a, quite a goal like it's yeah yep. it's great oh, all right well i i believe i can do it um and uh we're, we're gonna get there one way or the other if it takes me a year <laughs> yeah i think i think um having it having it digitally available is always a huge uh a huge advantage to hitting that goal though for someone like me that's all digital now I, I talk a lot of cre- to a lot of creators. They're like, "We're just printing it. We're not doing it digital." And I'm like, "Well, I'm out." <laughs> you know, but no, having it digitally definitely helps. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I say that not to uh, discourage, right? I just more clarification to the audience who might hear like 500 copies. That's not that much. It, it it's a, a decent goal for anyone out there, um, hmm. and I think it's it's definitely doable, especially if you got good work there. But that just that clarification that I wasn't trying to uh, put you down or anything. I was just clarification for the audience. Yeah. Who helped set up this interview? Um, who's been working as my publicist? I work with him on comic books as well. Um, we're we're gonna just keep booking, and you know, I, I might be coming mm-hmm. back around on some of repeating uh, some of these podcasts, coming around a second or third time till I meet that goal. Great. So uh, yeah. behind the scenes question for you. So you're putting it on Kindle. Do you know for uh, for instance if it's going to also publish it to comiXology as well by doing it to kindle i don't think so it's not a comic book for one thing okay it's, it's all prose um there's no pictures in the book um so i think that um no probably not on comiXology but um, okay. on indie planet which is where i sell my comics mm-hmm. it is going to be you can either download the perfect pdf that i was talking about or you can order a physical copy and the oh. physical copies are going to be like 20 bucks Okay. And do you know when the physical copies will be available? So they're technically kind of available already, but I am waiting in the mail for um, my author's copy. Since I've never actually printed a book, I want to make sure the margins look right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so after I look at it, and it should be here this week, this coming week, and then I just click a button on Indie Planet and it will um, put it for sale to the public. So wow. pretty soon. Yeah. Great. So pretty soon. Awesome. Very mm-hmm. cool. Um, and Chris will be sure to have all those links for everybody for the website. Chris, are you in Philadelphia? No, I live up in uh, upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I grew up in Chase County, and um, I was living in West Philly up until last, uh, no, two Julys ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, at one point in my life was a goal to move down to Pennsylvania. I think now I'm staying put uh, around my family, but... I saw a bunch of fights on the on the L train and uh oh yeah. yeah. Weird crap goes on in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's I, I love I love the I've been to Philly plenty of times. I love the Philly mentality, the Philly attitude, the I just embrace it all around. I know some people it turns them off, but I just think when I especially when I see stuff online, it just makes me laugh. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, I mean, and I've lived on the streets in Philadelphia too. It could definitely be a crazy freaking place. I am a New Yorker at heart. I was born mm-hmm. right outside of New York in um, mm-hmm. um, North Jersey, born in North Jersey. But um, and my favorite place to go as a child was always New York. And kind of moving to the suburbs of Philly was kind of like not fun for me because people were all like, oh, you have to be an Eagles fan now. You have to be a Flyers fan now. I was like, <laughs> I love the Devils. I love the Giants. Leave me alone. Yeah. 
Uh, man with the that I know with the biggest balls uh, is a he's actually a doctor at a children's hospital up near where I live, and um, he's a big Giants fan. And he actually did all of his med school stuff in Philly. And he showed me pictures. He used to walk around Philly in his Jeremy Shockey jersey. And I was just like, yeah. the, the fact that you made it out of there alive, man. <laughs> my my father used to have um, his company that was in um, uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia had season tickets to the Eagles, and he was a huge Giants fan. But when he went to the Eagles Giants game, he didn't root for the Giants. <laughs> he wasn't trying to get beers on him. He wasn't trying to get punched. Yep, yep. <laughs> Try to keep it safe. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> um, awesome. Well. Uh, you know, so, Phoebe, Phoebe, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, before we, before we take off on it, you did mention you had other stuff you were working on. Did you want to yeah. pimp out any other books that you were working on before we took off? So I, I'm working on a book called Operation Blackbird. Um, or no, it's going to be called The Blackbird Dossier. Sorry. And that one is um, about uh, deep in the future, like in the year 26, 2700, something like that, um, that there's this company that offers a service to rich people and they offer this service to rich people in a variety of timelines and what they do is they send them back they send their mind back to the distant past and but they so they'll send like a rich dude from the future and they'll give them all of the the wu-tang clans um like lyrics or something and put them in the 80s with the lyrics so that they can become a rap star before wu-tang becomes Wu-Tang. oh wow that's so, hilarious so they're, they're, and then their little, their entire um, pockets where they've established a bunch of artists in particular timelines where they're like encroaching on them and controlling these timelines. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of about a, a woman um, that uh, sort of uh, starts to be able to talk to all the different timeline versions of herself, um, sort of like an everything, everywhere, all at once kind of effect. Mm-hmm. I was right before I saw that movie. Um, but yeah, and um, it also centers around a satirical. Um, fictional version of the Blue Tang Clan, like I've made up alternate names and um, like songs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and a young guy, a dude called Casual Val, who um, was raised by a mafia hitman and himself graduated to doing that, and he's like an asset that this company uses. And oh, okay. it's kind of those 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 characters. Um, I'm working on that. I'm also writing. Um, still writing short stories. I'm writing a short story right now called Bluetooth. Um, which is about uh, Harold Bluetooth, the first king of Denmark. And um, sort of first is biographical about him, very normal, like just facts about his life. And then when he gets to the afterlife, instead of going to the the Christian heaven or Valhalla or anything, he finds himself a thousand years in the future in our time being used, his soul is being used to connect speakers to devices. (laughs) And uh, he's just in this like limbo hell. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I've been reading a lot of magic realism. I'm trying to write more surreal weird shit. That's that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, that I want to read. That's on. (laughs) I will send I will send it out to a bunch of people when it's done. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yeah. That that type of shit is great because it's like, yeah, I do I do the whole history of Bluetooth and blah blah blah, and then now he's now he's stuck in an internal torment. (laughs) Connecting speakers. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And and those all will be available through uh, your publishing website too. So I think I reckon um, we're we're putting out another collection at some point, and okay. uh, I might have five or six done, and like three or four that are half written. 
So like I do have more stories coming and uh, there will be a second collection. Yeah. Great. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for that. So, so uh, Phoebe, uh, if people wanted to follow you further, uh, maybe to see when the physical copies of uh, subliminal uh, latency come out, uh, where can they follow you online? Are you on social media or anything like that? I am on, you can find me on IG. I don't really post a lot, but I'm at Phoebe123Go uh, on Instagram. I will be posting more as I have like exciting things to say about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, on Facebook, you can find us at 123Go Publications. Um, and uh, there's like a fan fan page or whatever for that. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I argue politics so much on Twitter that I don't ask comic book fan people to, to come find me there. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah. Oh, oh, there's another uh, Instagram to follow. It'll be our next Kickstarter. Um, probably launching in April, if not May. And it's called Viking Saga of the North. And um, But on IG, it's like underscore between each word. Um, but yeah, Vikings of the North is a story that was uh, came up my friend Jose Ernesto Diaz is in Guatemala, and um, he was looking for someone to help him make his pictures into a comic book. And like, he had like 40 pages with a really amazing art of like about Viking culture. And um, so I've helped him work that into an actual narrative arc. And we're I'm gonna put um, put out like a 22 page uh, book called Viking Saga of the North. It's meant to be a historically accurate representation of Viking history and culture. It's not really fictionalized in any way. We're just talking about what they ate, you know, how they lived, stuff like that. Very cool. That was very awesome. cool. Yeah, I'll be interested so, in that too. So everybody out there, I will have links to Phoebe's website and uh, her the Indie Planet uh, link as well. So make sure to check the show notes down below. And Phoebe, thanks so much for stopping by. And yeah, uh, we look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, thanks. All right. Nice to meet you guys. Great to talk. And we're back. Awesome. So check out all the amazing things going on at 123Go Publishing Publications. Um, all the projects that Phoebe's working on, that cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Not, not enough indie publishing going on. There could always be more, so support that. Yes, do that. Some good stuff coming from her. Yep. Uh, comic news, Chris. Comic news. Quite a, a bit. Marvel news. I love it. Quite a bit for you this week. All right. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We don't, we don't get a lot of comic news lately. Um, unless it's like Comic-Con time. Marvel has announced a new creative team and a new number one look uh, for Black Panther coming this June. The series will be taken over by writer Eve Ewing and artist Chris Allen. Is Eve Al Ewing's? Wife? I I think wife. I could be okay. wrong about that. I don't really follow their personal lives that yeah. much. <laughs> I feel like they've been on a book together, so that's that looks familiar. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, I guess I think John Ridley's doing Black Panther right now. Mm. Um, not a character I follow that deep, but uh, yeah. So obviously, if if you got John Ridley doing it, he's going to wrap up his story. He had the story in mind, and he's done. Mm-hmm. And now we're giving Eve a shot, so probably still won't pick it up. I'm not a huge Black Panther fan, but I'm sure people are excited. People yeah. like Eve. Yep. Uh, this is, you know, the timing is impeccable. Just in time for season two of Loki, the uh, 
the very, very spotlighted character will be getting a new limited series, appropriately titled Loki. The series will be written by Dan Water, with art by German uh, Peralta, because, you know, that show's coming out, and uh, what better time to do that? Gotta have a comic on the shelf. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, it's it's typical Marvel. I mean, I, I really think DC should start adopting this too, but yeah, like a peacemaker book right around the time the show comes out. Come on. Yeah. And I think you'll see that with James Gunn coming over, but for Marvel, yeah, yeah it's, of course they're going to do this. Um, another character though, that I like when he pops up, but I've never really gotten into any solo Loki books personally. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they go to the direction of the show, I could see it being interesting, but I think originally his solo series wasn't much of that. His solo series, I mean, he has, I know a lot of people are huge Loki fans. He has deep fans and there's some like different things they like to do with Loki, but it's, I've tried some of the ones that I'm told are like the great Loki stories and they just don't Mm -hmm. do anything for me. So, yeah. Um, okay. This, we've been talking about this one for months, uh, speculating who will take over the Avengers title after Jason Aaron. We have our answer. Uh, Timeless and Moon Knight writer Jed McKay, alongside artist Stuart Emanen, will take over this June. The series will continue uh, the story from Timeless about the missing moment, and the team will consist of Captain Marvel, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Black Panther, and Iron Man. So, hey, Jed McKay, good for him. Yeah, well-deserved. I've yeah. become a huge Jed McKay fan over the past two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to reach out to him see if we can get him back on the show. But uh, that aside, I'm really happy that he's getting it because I've liked the books I've been reading by him. And I like I like when Avengers Justice League, they keep that nice, succinct team. Yeah, like this is the team we're moving forward with. And right. One thing that Jason did that was kind of tough to get behind, and especially with this last uh, story arc, as fun as it is, is there's so many people. Yeah, too many. Yeah. So I like this team. I think it's just having Thor, T'Challa, and uh, Tony Stark mm-hmm. is a great trio to build your Avengers team around. And then right. um, to give Sam the spotlight in there as Captain America is great. So I think it's going to be a really cool book, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, Jed certainly worked his way up to that for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. earned this 100%. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, adding the lineup. Uh, adding to the lineup for the Star Wars 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi comics will be an upcoming Ewoks one-shot that everybody has been waiting for. This one shall be written by Alyssa Wong with artists Lee Gabbett, uh, Casper Wingard, Kyle Holtz, and Paulina Ganachu. This Ewok story is said to be different than you might think, mostly because it'll be a horror story. Hell yeah. Okay. Now, that's how you get me interested about Ewok story. If you're murdering Ewoks, let's go. I love Ewoks. Yeah. Um, quick, quick clarification because of how Mike read it. It's the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, the movie. Yeah, the movie. Yeah. Um, But I love Ewoks. I'm down for Ewoks all the time. Like, I have Ewok plushies in this room. My cat has Ewoks toys. Are you ready to see them get murdered, though? I'm I'm down. Whatever spotlight we can put on Ewoks, I'm down for. So I and I'm it's a Star Wars book. I'm gonna buy it. I believe it's just a one shot, so I'm in for one issue. That's yeah. fine. So I, I'm actually really excited for this. I think this will be a lot of fun. 
Alyssa Wong was doing cool shit with Iron Fist, so. Um, yeah, and she's been in the Star Wars universe too with uh, Doctor Afra, and she's been yeah. killing it on that book too. So, uh, I I just want to see the story of like them running from a Rancor, <laughs> and as they're getting like shredded apart, uh, it's gonna be awesome. And maybe I would I'll love the story to be them being the ones that capture the Rancors for the job of the Huts. Oh yeah, oh and, that'd be and, cool. Like, them having to create these like little traps to like catch these rancors and bring them to the oh huts. God. I think that'd be funny. That would be awesome. Uh, DC has finally announced that they will be publishing for free comic book day, 2023. Well, at least one of the books they're going to be publishing. The title will be called Dawn of the DC. Yeah. We, they haven't been shoving that down our throats the last couple of weeks. 2023 free comic book day special. It'll feature shorts from different books being published as part of the Dawn of the DC Universe line. Yeah, so anybody that's running DC has seen that in the back of every issue <laughs> the last two or three weeks. We're getting like this new DC universe in comics. So, Yeah, and it's... I mean, obviously we all knew there was going to be something to like tease the new Dawn of the DC yeah. for this, but I, I was a little shocked that it's like it's going to be a sampler book. Like, right, I, yeah. I grab it because it's free and it goes in my collection, but right. I don't think I'll read it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, by this time, everybody knows that we're going to read what we want to that we think is interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, we're going to pick it up for. I'll probably read it for free comic book day. Maybe it'll grab, it'll get me into something that I wouldn't have originally read. But I read quite a bit of DC. I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. see how this goes. It's like another new Fifty Two kind of thing. You know, we'll we'll see where these books are going and what direction. Yeah, and for me, these sampler books usually don't change my mind on things. It usually yeah. reinforces what I originally thought. When it comes all, to this. all this tells me is DC didn't have anything planned for free comic book day. <laughs> I will. So, I'll bet anything that the next. So there will be a, a YA, uh, like sampler as well. Uh-huh. Yep. And then there will be something to tie into whatever they think their flagship is. Mm. probably titans because apparently they think that titans is gonna like be the new justice league because people yeah. read justice league people like me who read justice league and don't care about titans all of a sudden are gonna care about titans it's i don't know titans either <laughs> yeah yeah i i haven't cared about titans since like the george perez era it, yeah and especially since i just i'm calling the shots now it's yeah. so we got we ended Dark Crisis with Deathstroke in the back to tank. And the first year of Titans is going to be like, how do we how do we go in the footsteps of the Justice League? Oh, no. Right. And then something's going to happen. Deathstroke's going to get his powers back somehow, get out of the back to tank. And then we're going to do Judas Contract for the eighth time. <laughs> and then that's going to lead into whatever the next thing is that brings back the justice league and is the, the new dawn of the 52 universe, whatever they're going to call something like the Judas ultimatum or something. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. Yep. We called it here. Um, And I'm like the Jews, the first one was okay. I think it's a little overrated. I'm I'm saying it online, but the fifth time I'm like, I get it. Like that strokes mad at these teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) He hates kids. We get it. <laughs> yeah, that whole like, I mean, that we talked about how the the whole focus of like Nightwing and like 
being, oh, he's like this godlike being that can resist the darkness and all this shit. It's like, come on, guys. He's he's got electric batons. And he used yeah, to be in a circus. He's happy Batman. Like yeah. I, I get uh, that there's a Gen X generation that loves Nightwing. Right. And that's I'm not shitting on any of them. But for I mean, for the rest of us, it's like it's happy Batman. We get it. There's been good yeah. stories. There's been bad stories. But like, let's not. This isn't Superman we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Archie's bringing back another horror title called that Wilkin boy. Mingo Wilkin is a lesser known Archie character uh, that this title will put him in a in a story involving cults, magic and rock and roll. The title will be written by Cullen Bunn with art by Dan Shuning. All right. Well, I didn't care until I saw Cullen Bunn's name attached to it. Uh, it sounds a little bit like what they were doing with the, I never watched the ridiculous Archie show, but I know they went off the rails with like cults and like people being murdered yeah. and shit. So, yeah. Well, and from what I know too, Archie horror, when they were doing, remember when they were doing that, like uh-huh. Archie zombie book? Yeah. Um, I forget what it's called now, but that was like one of the best selling times of Archie comics. Wow. And then they just stopped doing it. So now they're kind of like, Oh shit, that stuff. People like that. Let's do it again. Yeah. We need to make more of that. Yeah. And like, we're getting that jug jughead werewolf book and then this, and I'm sure we'll get afterlife with Archie is what the book is called. I'm sure that'll come back. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I go for them for making Archie, you know, interesting for readers. Yeah, people are digging it then. Yeah. The Expanse is coming to comics through comic publisher Boom Studios. This 12-issue series will tie into the book and TV universe by placing it in the missing years between the novels Babylon Ashes and Persepolis Rising. Uh, The series will be written by Andy Diggle with art by Rubin. Um, I know there's a huge following for The Expanse. Yeah, you've never read or watched any of it? No, I should. So yeah. I've been told like a million times I should. And I really, yeah. I, it's one of those things like it looks cool and I want to check it out and I like sci-fi. So why wouldn't right. I? Right. Um, and it's on my list to do. I might just pick this up as like, let's see if this gets me into it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I might just, cause it's so easily accessible for us to add to our comics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I think if I, if I know correctly and please correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, but from what I've been told, there's the novels and then the the TV series picks up where the novels left off and continue the story. Yeah. So then, right. like, yeah, let's throw some comics in there to kind of fill in some gaps. It's, it's a cool idea. I like this how they're building that universe out. So. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And then we had some pretty awful comic news uh, for the community. Uh, we know that a lot of tech companies have been laying people off. Amazon owned Comicsology laid off 75% of its staff, which is insane. That's over 18,000 jobs. I don't know what's more insane. Like, I guess I didn't realize there was that many people working for Comixology through Amazon. Yeah. Um, 18,000 jobs. That's a lot. And 75% of it. So like, you know, for a time when Amazon took over Comixology, we said this fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> it's gotten better as far as like the interface, but you can almost see they wanted to bring it all through Amazon and Kindle. And that's kind of what they've done. They've like consolidated over to like, you read it through Kindle and all this bullshit. Um, that's, that's crazy though. That that really sucks. It Obviously it sucks. When anyone loses their job. I'm like, 
100% on that bandwagon of I yeah. don't want anyone to lose their job. When I saw that number, what I heard was, holy shit, there's a lot of bloat. Yeah, right. And from what I've been reading about a lot of these tech layoffs from like Facebook and um, Twitter and any of these tech companies. Sorry, those are the first two just came to mind when I think yeah. of tech. But um, from what I've been hearing is that's what's happening is there's just like a shit ton of bloat in these companies. And yeah. now that the economy is doing what it's doing and we're talking about maybe recession and blah, 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 blah. These companies are going like, well, we can't really have the blow anymore. So mm-hmm. bye. Yeah. <laughs> and, goodbye. And that really sucks, but I understand business wise where it's coming from. So And and this isn't a shit on Amazon though. I mean, I know I don't know what their severance packages look like. I know Google recently laid off people. Yeah. And they are given ridiculous severance packages. Like I'm sure that they yeah. got something. Yeah. I mean, like I would they're, be if yeah. they're not. I would be shocked and I would be appalled because it's, it's fucking Amazon. It, it's crazy to be these. I know we're talking about tech companies on the comic podcast, but like, it's crazy to be these. It's cheaper for these tech companies to pay like eighty percent salaries for the rest of the year and like do continue benefits for all these employees and not have them work for them and like take the loss than have them working for them for like the rest of the year is is the crazy part. Um, yeah. I think it's looked at as like a five year benefit. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, you got to pay them 80% of their salary for the rest of the year. But if you're cutting down on below then five years from now, you actually save money as the thought yeah. process. I'm yeah, not that's... a businessman. I don't know exactly, but <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I guess um, my, my hope is though, that the, the product stays continues yeah. to improve from where it's been. I I've been, I haven't talked much about it. Cause I know it's kind of a fire rod. Like everybody hates Amazon, but right. I think comiXology has been good recently. It's mm-hmm. still, I mean, I still prefer the old comiXology. Right. But they've definitely done a lot to improve it. My biggest complaint is they're like fight with Apple and Google where they, you can't just buy it on the app on my phone. I have to yeah. like go to my computer and buy it. Yeah. I hate that shit. That's yeah. annoying. So um, I will but, say, yeah, I'll, I'll say this. That's annoying. But what I found and hint, hint to everybody, because we have an Amazon affiliate account. I've been going to people that I like using their affiliate accounts and then buying my books on my computer using their affiliate accounts mm-hmm. so that people I like get a kickback as well. Uh, so it's made okay. that. Pr- I mean, even though it's more of a pain for me to be like, I I put the thing on my wish list on my phone. Right. And then I come to my computer and buy it. It's given me this process to give people I like in podcasting and all that mm-hmm. money back by doing it that way yeah that makes so, sense yeah um i'm hoping that maybe some competitiveness comes out of this i mean you have eight, laid off eighteen thousand people in a structure that probably knows a little bit about the interface for this type of product like can we maybe see one competitor for like digital comics reading i know there's you know there's people's uh that have drm free uh files like when you go to uh, scout comics and shit like that but like just another interface that's all about comics, you know? There's a few. Yeah. I've I've been following this really closely. There are a few. Here's okay. the problem. None of them have DC. None mm. of them have Marvel. Yep. And until you can convince DC and Marvel to be on your app as well as Comics Out or yeah, in you, place of Comics Out, you'll never you're compete. Yeah. yeah. You'll never compete. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, well, that being said, I read quite a bit of comics this week so i guess we'll just get into that i read a couple but i have a feeling you read most of the ones i read 
<laughs> Probably, yeah. There's a lot of DC shit. Yeah. Uh, some stuff I was behind on. I finally read Rogue Son number nine um, by Ryan Perot and Rena on the art. Uh, the Rogue Son gets his ass kicked and then he loses his girlfriend. <laughs> uh, pretty shitty issue for him. Uh, we find out like this, his step siblings, like steal the rock to summon their, they try to summon their dad, like the spirit of their dad, but they, some, they end up summoning some guy like who's dressed in like old timely clothing. So I'm guessing he's like the original rogue son. And that's kind of how it ends. Uh, DC mech number six is the finale by Porter and Rebus on the art. Uh, good ending. The heroes defeat dark side. That's, you know. <laughs> That's what you wrap it up. Yeah, you wrap it up. It's a fun book. You know, mechs fighting each other. There was all this bizarro shit going on with, you know, the bizarro mechs, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I think overall it was great. I did read, uh, this is an indie uh, Kickstarter book, Tales of the Space Knights by Kevin Anthony Catalan. Uh, I finally got around to reading that. Amazing art, like cool story fantasy-wise, like Dark Souls-esque art, which I loved takes place sci-fi with like nasty monsters. It was just an overall cool story um, with like a combination of a lot of things that I love. So I really enjoyed tales of space Knights. And you can go back and see our interview with him uh, yes. back in November, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly before the end of the year. Uh, Nemesis reloaded. Number one, Mark Miller, Jorge Jimenez. Chris talked about this one. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was a, like you said, he fleshed out the character more. It was a good intro. And uh yeah, it was, uh, you know, Mark Miller coming out strong with the I want all the cops dead kind of thing. <laughs> classic Mark Miller. So no, no surprise there. Uh, I thought it was a solid first issue, though. Masquerade number four, Kevin Smith, Andy McElfresh and Sprenglemeyer on the art. Uh, are you still reading Masquerade? Yeah, but I'm really behind on it. OK, yeah. yeah so Masquerade kills a uh, bad priest in a terror, like a crazy way. She like he's into like bondage and all this shit so you can imagine that gets kind of weird uh we we realize the people that like do the mask thing like where they put the fake faces on start to hear and see things uh like go crazy and so the main character is starting to see her dead brother and is like talking to him even though he's not there so um there's some repercussions from like using the being tested on and stuff uh this okay you talked about lazarus planet alpha wade yang federici uh cool issue lots of cool characters and you know we're just excited to see how this magical rain falling from the sky is going to transform all the heroes and humans and turn them into meadows or take away their powers um which has a lot to do with like every issue coming out lately with dc uh monkey prince number 10 yang and chang uh ties into lazarus planet um the magic rain starts and we see supergirl like lose her powers we see monkey king uh, finding some monsters. His grandpa, at the end of the issue, repairs his Phantom Zone projector, and he's talking about how he's going to pull the actual Monkey King from the from the Phantom Zone and like control him. So there's a little more going on there. Um, yeah, that was a good issue. Right? Monkey, we've been talking about how good Monkey Prince is. So yeah, and I thought it was a great way to do a tie-in to Lazarus Planet because, like, even though it tied in, yeah, it still continued what it was doing, right. And it tied in as much as it kind of introduced the idea that there's this magic rain coming down. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you can continue with this and Lazarus planet. And I'm hoping yeah. like next issue, it just kind of goes on with what yep. it's been doing. Uh, Batman fortress. Number eight, widow and Robinson. 
Robertson. Did you did you talk about this already? No, no, this came out oh, just this week. This week okay. So, uh, I thought it was this was the ending. I thought it was a solid ending. Um, there's some you know shocking things that happen. Uh, to to like they they try to negotiate with the villains that are trying to kill Superman, and he basically says, "I'll give up my powers." If uh, if you if you let me go and let everybody live and they go, OK, that's cool. But the, what he doesn't tell him is he transfers his powers to Batman. And uh, by the end of the book, we get a bat Superman, which is awesome. Uh, and then and then Luther, like they realize that Luther is actually the shitty person and they crush him like a tin can, like inside his suit. So there's just like a pile, pile of blood. And then they're like that escalated quickly. That, that was a pretty fun scene. Um, yeah, I think overall is a great series. It was, and it's one of the few times where I really hope we get a sequel. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Yeah, I know. Bat, Bat, Superman. Like, come yeah. on. They obviously set something up here, and yeah. uh, Derek has hinted that like he's working on something else. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's the case. Let's see if I can message him on Twitter and get him to spill some deets. <laughs> uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, Number Eleven, Mark Wade, Dan Mora. Uh, so David finally gets sent back to his earth by the end of this issue. Uh, and lo and behold, Gog is there waiting for him. Well, he gets sent back to a earth. Oh, a earth. I don't think it was his. Yeah. We're not sure if it's his, but it's the kingdom come earth. Yeah. Yeah. Where Gog is waiting for him. Gog then trains him to be Magog. Uh, and hijinks ensue after that. Yeah. Decent issue. Yeah. A lot of wrap up. Next issue is the date with Supergirl. So can't wait for that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for that one. <laughs> I, you know, you know, Mark Wade will make it fun. Uh, yeah. He's been doing a good balance of like seriousness and fun. Uh, the new champion of Shazam number four, Campbell and uh, Doc Shaner on the art. Um, this It was a pretty interesting reveal. Like the villain was actually Dr. Sivana's daughter. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. You know, she saves the day. And then by the end of the series, we're like, oh, Billy's still gone. I need to go save him in my Lazarus planet tie in (laughs) is kind of what they say. Um, You know, I four issues were fine to me. It wasn't anything like life changing. I thought the villain reveal was cool. But yeah, like you said, I want to see her save Billy. We didn't get that. And we're now going to get it into an event comic, which is it, it kind of feels like they pushed it to that, but yeah, yeah, I I gave up on this series. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Dark Knights of Steel number nine, Tom Taylor, Putri on the art. This was pretty sick, uh, and I know you talked about this one, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, that huge war happening, and then to find out, like Alfred reveals he's Martian Manhunter, and the White Martians are behind everything. That was fucking great. Yeah, did not see that coming. Yeah, and everybody, even even like the people fighting the war, were like, "Well, fuck! <laughs> like, what have we been doing this whole time?" Um, Star Girl and the Lost Children, number three, Jeff Johns and Knock on the Art. I know you're not reading this, but this was like a holy shit issue moment. Um, so the Childminder, you know, is uh, so Star Girl's on this island where all these sidekicks are being held hostage. The Childminder villain is actually super creepy and captures Red Arrow, Amiko. Um, Stargirl goes to the hideout where all the sidekicks are. And she meets, like, you get this huge, like, splash page of all these different, like, 
you know, heroes like our man sidekick and all this stuff. Uh, and then we see Corky Baxter, who's Rip Hunter's sidekick. Corky is from the, uh, he is the time master with the, like the, the coonskin cap that we saw in Batman's, uh, cave back in the, uh, flashpoint book. If you remember the one that was like talking to Bruce. Oh, the time Lord. Yeah, he's the Time Lord. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we he tells us that he's that he's Rip Hunter's sidekick and he's there, and so they're like, well, okay. So if the Time Lord is here, is this island out of time? Because that's like all of the kids, all the sidekicks still think it's like the 1940s, and uh, and he's like, yeah, it's something like that. Like this island is out of space and time or something. Um, and they find out that that they they're like, we need Jay Garrick's daughter to get us out of here. That's what he says. And they're like, Oh shit. And so, uh, Kimiko, when she's in the jail, she's been talking to someone across the door from her. And it's revealed that it's Judy Garrick in the next room that they have locked up. Uh, and now they're like the child minders waiting for like her partner to show up. And I don't know what they're going to do with her, but it seems that they're like keeping her powers under wraps or like zapping her power, like using the speed force or something. It was a pretty cool reveal. Cause you're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, Judy Garrick is a sidekick that I know. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. It's been a fun book. I think it would definitely be more beneficial to Reza's trade, though. That's that's the way I see Jeff Johns going lately. Um, yeah, it's is what it feels like. And then the last book I had was Lazarus Planet: Assault on Krypton. Uh, lots of writers and artists. It's cool to see. Shout out to Skylar Partridge on the show. Uh, did a did a story. Um, you know, the, the first part was, there was a bunch of different stories. Uh, first part was about restoring the helmet of fate and Nia, the Dreamwalker, gets it. Um, which that was like the first story she had to get the, the helmet, uh, to like combat what's going on. I didn't care for the second story. It was like, uh, it was like super, Superboy was like flirting with some like no name character. <laughs> I was like, I already got this in the Superboy book before. Like, I don't need to see more of that. It was like some random, like, civilian that gets powers, and then they start flirting with each other. It was just like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe that's it's fun for somebody else to read. And then we get the Mercy Grape. Yeah. Are we talking about John Kent, or are we talking about Superboy? Like- no, like like John Kent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you're saying John Kent, but I'm sure everybody thinking Superboy is thinking... um. What's his name? The current oh, Superboy. Connor. Connor. Yeah. 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 See, my, yeah, John Kent, I know he's supposed to be Superman or whatever, but uh, it's just like, I don't know. Uh, Mercy. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy Graves story, right? That's uh, Luther's assistant. Um, she gets powers, and uh, that was cool. And then po- we find it like power girl gets new powers. She can read minds. It was an okay issue. Feel felt like a lot of catching up that they just placed there. Um, wasn't too bad. And that was it for me this week. I don't know if you read that, but I didn't get a chance to read that yet. Okay. Yeah. So everyone out there, uh, my comic shop owner just went through like hardcore surgery. So I won't be getting my books for a few weeks. Yep. So my, uh, conversation here is going to be lacking next couple of weeks right. 
But you can uh, still say oohs and ahs. Yeah. But I did read Punisher number nine, which not only does Punisher end up killing Ares, the god of war, but we basically get to see like the whole Marvel universe is reacting to it and saying like, mm-hmm. okay, like it was kind of weird. Cause it's kind of like, yeah, this Punisher thing is no longer funny. Like we actually need to do something about it. It was kind of <laughs> like the reaction they gave. Yeah. Uh, so the, the book ends with throughout the book, like daredevils in there and he's like, listen, like we got to take this seriously. Yeah. And it ends with kind of a, what looks like a secret Avengers team being like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, this isn't, we can't just let this go. So I have a feeling they're setting up some sort of big event where it's like Punisher versus the Marvel universe or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But was one of the better issues. It's like at this point, I'm, I've been so deep into it that I just been continuing it, but it's gotten better as the book goes on because my biggest complaint about the series is that they're trying really hard to like, retcon frank into being always being like a psychopath mm-hmm. and it just it falls flat like it, it feels too much like they're trying too hard because of yeah. everybody knows why the political reason but um yeah but they've strayed away from that the past couple issues and really gotten into a real like story that i'm enjoying so cool punch has been good and i read nightclub number two I don't know. I've been sitting on this for a few days. This might be the last issue I read of this. This is the Mark Millar vampire book. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. It's like, so the kid gets vampire powers in the first issue and like Mm -hmm. he establishes that it's all the vampire stuff you think of. Like in this issue, they can't cross a body of water Mm -hmm. and like stuff like that. But he gives his friends, he turns his friends into vampires too. And their whole plan is like, we're going to become YouTube stars. And I'm just kind of, I, it just doesn't do it for me. So (laughs) I'm out on this book. I I think, uh, but it looks pretty. And what's really nice too, is he's only selling this book for two bucks an issue. Mm. So it kind of sucks that I don't like it because it's actually kind of (laughs) cheap. Yeah. But they all can't be winners. No. And then what I have been doing is getting into all these uh, Kickstarter books I have lying around. Uh-huh. And so this one I've gotten within the past month, but the 13th Labor, number three, mm-hmm. uh, a series I really enjoy. It's all about Hercules finishes the 12 labors. Oh, and he cool. finds out there's a 13th labor. He has to go into the future, find one of his descendants who's supposed to fight a battle in this like intergalactic gladiator thing That's to save humanity. And the descendant that he's supposed to help is dead. Oh. So he has to go to his, this descendant's sister and try to get help her. Mm. And uh, in this issue, like we're actually in the the intergalactic like Coliseum and we get to see kind of the first battle. So it's a really fun uh, series with really good art in it. So if you guys see it on Kickstarter, I recommend it. And I, I really like that issue too. Cool. Sounds awesome. That was everything I had, Mike. So uh, I guess where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter and pretty much all social media. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, give us the five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version. 
And if you want to go the extra mile, as I said earlier, with the uh, affiliate links, including Amazon and the show notes, and also with the Patreon at patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week, and we'll see you all here next week. <laughs>